Hey there, deviants. I hope you're well wherever you are listening to us from. Get ready for another episode of Dark and Devious. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back. Um, Chris and I right now are uh, kind of uh, amused and weirded out because this new feature on Zoom when we record, it has this like creepy robot lady. Now it's like recording in progress, recording finished. And it didn't used to be there. And I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> well, at least when we're... Uh when I'm doing the editing, I'll, I'll know exactly where to cut off. Right. When you hear her be like, yeah, get out, get out yeah. of our podcast. Cut that out. So I wonder yeah. if that'll show up on the recording, but obviously by the, obviously by the time we put out the episode, it won't be there, but yes, very amusing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's going on, Chris? Um, not a whole lot. I mean, it's just been a really, it's been kind of like an up and down week here. It seems like it's beautiful one day, then rainy the next. And I've still had my partner hanging around. So that's been really nice to have. And of course the dog. Yes. The slightly dog. warming up to me. Yeah. Uh, oh, although I think I, I really want to share this story. So, uh, that I think will be amusing and interesting to our uh, our listeners. Especially, you know, maybe one day we'll we'll cover some paranormal stuff. I really want to, just FYI. Yeah, which we totally can at some point. Uh, but I just I I learned recently that my apartment building used to be a hotel. So I I originally thought it was always apartments, but it's. Uh, it's a really old brick building here in Minneapolis, and I guess it was a hotel originally. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay, that's like kind of like hotel, like old old hotels kind of have a reputation for for being haunted or whatever. But uh, so the this last week, when I I got up and I was the only one up, so my partner and the dog were both still asleep. I went out to the kitchen, get some water and everything was quiet. And then when I came back to the bed, like um, down the hall toward the bedroom, I noticed the bathroom sink was on full blast. Like it was, was not on before. And this is actually the second time that this has happened where all of a sudden I'm like, what's that hissing now noise? And I come back and find that it's the sink that's on full blast. So I think I've got a haunted bathroom, even though like nothing else really weird or spooky has happened, but I'm, I'm definitely convinced that my bathroom is haunted. So like when you say that it's on, uh, like 
you do have, I can't remember your bathroom right now, but is it like the turn knobs or the ones that you lift up and down? Yeah, these ones are turn ones. Are they actually like turned on or is water just coming out? Well, because when I, I go over there, I, when I went to go check on it, like I turned the water off. So ah. obviously this, like the knobs had been turned open. So it wasn't like a broken that's like broken pipe or something like that. That's fun. Yeah, I I, I love. I haven't this. reached out really. I haven't I haven't had any like conversations, but we'll <laughs> we'll see it. I'll I'll let you know if it happens again. That can be kind of an ongoing. <laughs> yeah. If if I do have more encounters like that. If you have any more, I really want to come over. <laughs> like. So my my whole life, like I've always believed in the paranormal and um, like I've always had like these weird occurrences in my life where yeah. like I've heard my name being whispered in my ear before, which like it sent chills on my spine. I remember that day so much. It was when I was in high school. And then um, actually just this past year during COVID, I was at home and in my, in my house. And I just felt like I wasn't like alone in my, in, in my kitchen. And it wasn't one of the cats. It wasn't the cat <laughs> or the dog, but then there was like a light breeze and like, it was during the winter time. So like the windows weren't open, the doors weren't open. Oh. So I've just, and there's been other incidences in my life, just like growing up. Like I, I swear, like I would see someone. And then when I do a double take, like, there's no one there oh, okay um so I don't know you're looking at me like I'm crazy but no no I'm really <laughs> I'm into it I'm into it but I've always I've just always had these weird weird feelings so I want to come over I want to like I want to have a slumber party in your bathroom <laughs> um I'll light, bring... some, light some candles and see what what materializes yep bring a chalkboard with some chalk uh Ooh, yeah is if... that what is that how people do I mean like the other option would be a Ouija board but I've never really done that and I would be like a little a little um spooked to do that in my own home <laughs> I used to do I used to play with a Ouija board in my basement because even as like a six-year-old I've always been a little disturbed um <laughs> But yeah, I used to play with one in the dark in my basement, which was like a flashlight. And I don't know. The store-bought ones, I think, are just a ripoff. I think <laughs> if you're going to use a Ouija board, you got to go find one from like the 1500s that's like carved out of wood, <laughs> hand-painted. It's possessed as hell. And I actually have roll with it. A, a dear friend of mine... Uh, who lives out in Baltimore. And I believe some of the earliest like commercially produced Ouija boards are were made out in Baltimore. Okay. I think one of the early companies that made it are from there. And he's got like a bunch of the old wooden ones, like different styles and stuff hanging up on his wall in his home. And it's it's very appropriate that uh that he is like a, a mystery writer and yeah it, I, I think it's so cool and it's like I would really love to find one of those but then I'd also be like really kind of spooked to like 
have them hanging around, you know, in case they flew off the wall or something. Oh my gosh. I would, I want, I, I want to be in that house right now. Like <laughs> it's, oh, it's so cool. But uh, uh, speaking of Maryland, though, uh, yes. we have, why don't we do our little correction corner that we were talking about doing before the show? The first one I want to, I, I think it's absolutely hilarious that more than one person called me out on this uh, was it's actually not pronounced Bowie, Maryland. It's Bowie, Maryland, um, even though it's it's spelled like the way that you see it when it's spelled, you think that it's Bowie, you know, you think. Bowie knife or David Bowie or whatever, uh, but no, they pronounce it Bowie. So my apologies, Marylanders. Uh, thank you for educating me on the pronunciation there. Yeah, um, and the other pronunciation that we need to correct is, um, so Chris's partner has a dog. His dog is a Shindo. It's a Korean yeah. breed of dog. However, no, it's Jindo. Jindo. Jind shit. It's a Jindo. A Jindo. Korean, Korean Jindo. Yep. Man, I'm messing See, it's up. Hard. It's I'm messing hard. up my own correction. So <laughs> it's a Jindo. And last week, Chris said that he thought it was a Sheena Ibu. Uh, yeah, I mispronounced the dog the because it's a similar dog breed to yes. And it's actually pronounced Shiba Inu. Shiba Inu. And I know this. I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. But my dumbass was like, I'm oh, yeah, her. it's a, it's a Shina Ibu. And <laughs> so. it, it was my, I, well, I, I must have gotten like a dyslexic moment there because I like switched the letters around. Yeah. Shiba yeah. Inu. Okay. Which uh, is kind of funny because... <laughs> This is really stupid of me. So like I grew up with a lot of Hispanic friends and I know it's like not an actual Spanish word, but for the longest time, I called Chipotle Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody, nobody called you out on that? Nobody no. tried to do? No. Oh my gosh. They probably thought it was so funny that they just let you <laughs> in... in and be blissfully ignorant yes um so yeah so i i have a history <laughs> of not pronouncing words correctly uh so, kind of fun when uh yeah when we which, catch those little things which i have my master's in teaching english as a second language <laughs> and i can't even speak it <laughs> that's that i was watching an episode of of buffy the vampire slayer the other night and and there, you know, Buffy was talking about how how she oh she had to do like a makeup English exam, and she's like, you get you get credit just for speaking it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, um, other than that, there's not much like podcast news to share with y'all. Um, yeah, uh, I guess just thanks for coming back week yeah. after week. We love you. I do have a, a funny story though that's related to last week's episode. Sure. That, uh, I, I I should have brought it up during the, the recording of the episode, but I'm I'm glad that uh, Ty reminded me that of of this anecdote that he shared with me. So a friend and of his, it, like, sorry to interrupt, but like, should Ty just be like 
a guest correspondent i feel like ty comes up like every other episode (laughs) i know (laughs) it's it's probably because he's lived so many interesting places that uh that are relevant to some of our cases you know so this is what like the is it the was that like the second time it's the the third 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 time time that maybe i'll i'll just maybe i should just like pick his brain to for all of his true crime connections (laughs) good resource for us yes but he is a loyal listener and i really appreciate him for that and it's fun because when i see him at work then he he'll like catch up with me about the whatever the case was for the last week or whatever so i'm always grateful to have him listening uh but he had such a funny story for me uh relating to last week's episode Uh, so when the, the dc snipers were active um this friend of his who still lived out in the area who's an only child, like apple of his mother's eye, like mom is so protective and and whatnot. And he was saying how, you know, his, his mom like was like, loved this son so much. She would stay home and she would send her son out for gas and stuff like where it's like, you're you're supposedly you supposedly love and want to protect your only child so much yet you send your only child out to like a like a potentially dangerous situation because like several of these shootings happened at gas stations and it's just like oh sure you'll stay at home but you'll send your only child out into potential danger and i just thought that was so funny Mother of the Year award goes <laughs> to Ty's mom. Oh, this was another. Uh, oh, another friend of his. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'm not going to apologize to Ty. I was going to be like, Ty, I'm sure your mom's wonderful, but I don't know this lady. <laughs> so <laughs> mystery, mystery mother, mystery mom. Yeah, that is funny. And you know, it, it's not like the sniper was targeting women. It was basically anyone. Anybody. It could, I mean, race, (laughs) religion, creed, and anybody could have been the next target. So, Mm -hmm. but anyway, I think that wraps up all of my business from leftover from last week's episode. So I am curious to move on to this week's episode. What have you got for us? Uh, Well, last week after the recording, I told you, I wanted to do like a lighthearted episode, you know, still dark and devious, but you know, nothing where any like serious foul plays involved or any death of any kind. Oh, no, no death. All right. But as one does at two in the morning when I wake up and I can't sleep, what do I do? I get on YouTube and I watch um, true crime videos because <laughs> that's like a lullaby to me. And I came across a case that I remember because I was actually living in the area during the like investigations. So we will get into that case right after this message. All right. Okay, Chris, are you ready? I am. I'm as excited as always. I like it when there's like a little bit of a like a personal connection to the case where it's like either a place where you've lived or like somewhere that you 
have visited. So I'm curious which location you're referring to. Okay. Well, I am going to be talking about the 2017 death of Kanika Jenkins. All right. Now, this was right after I moved back from Korea. I moved to the suburb of Glenview, Chicago. Okay. And this uh, takes place in Rosemont, which is like right by O'Hare. And Glenview is the next suburb north of O'Hare. So, okay. Like, I was pretty close. I didn't actually live there when Kanika died, but it was just one month later that I moved to Glenview. So, like, it was, it was Ooh, all the news in that area. That was very close proximity. Yes. So, Kanika Jenkins was born on May 27th, 1998, and she was the daughter of 19-year-old Teresa Martin and her stepfather, James Coleman. She had one younger sister um, of Lenore Harris, I believe is how you pronounce her name, and she resided in Chicago proper. I'm always shocked to see birthdays that late into the 90s. Like, especially, I think about like when I check IDs at work sometimes and I see like 98 or 99, I'm like, you are just a baby. Right. And, and this happened in 2017, you said? Yes. I mean, and so she was 19. She's a baby. Mm -hmm. I know. So Kanika was described as a sweet, happy, fun loving girl. Uh, her friends said she was goofy. She loved to smile. Uh, her favorite hobbies were eating and watching Netflix, which like girl same. <laughs> um, however, she was also really driven. She worked two jobs. And she had plans to start attending nursing school. She grew up in a crime-ridden neighborhood, which is not unusual for Chicago. It is one of the like deadliest cities in the USA. Um, and because of that danger, uh, what many people would do, uh, at least what her friends would do, is rather than gathering at like houses, they would gather at hotels for like parties and socializing. Uh, hotels were considered the safest place for them since being outside in the streets uh, was dangerous and also because she and her friends were underage. On the night of September 8th, 2017, uh, Kanika and her friends went to a hotel party expecting to have a normal fun night. They chose the Crown Plaza Hotel in a wealthy suburb of Rosemont and they were celebrating her best friend Irene's birthday party. On the way there, in her mother's car, Kanika and her friends reportedly picked up a bottle of Hennessy, a Bluetooth speaker, and energy drinks, along with some weed. Boy, that is a recipe for a, a wild night. And that's before the party. <laughs> you know, I mean, who, who knows what's being provided there? Yeah. Um, so... Kanika was next seen after leaving her house on a surveillance camera arriving at the hotel around 1.10 a.m. with three other females. The night is young at 1.10 in the morning. Um, yeah, Apparently. that's when I'm waking up and watching YouTube because I go to bed at <laughs> freaking 8.30. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so Kanika and her friends uh, were partying for two hours. And while doing this, they're posting videos and pictures of their night as they usually would. And at around 3 a.m., they decided they were done and were going to go home. It's not clear which one of them was planning to drive home, but it was Kanika's mother's car. So presumably it would be herself, and if not her, probably the most sober of the group. Once they got to the elevator, Kanika realized that she forgot her keys and her cell phone. Um, so her friends, this is what well, I don't get. Instead of Kanika going back to the party to get her belongings, her friends went, leaving Kanika alone in the hallway. That is very strange, especially it's like you think that you would be the one who knew where you left your stuff. Be like, oh, I left it over here on this particular table or something like that. But yeah, that's very weird that, and also if you've been drinking, sometimes the, the obvious line of thought doesn't happen. That's true. Um, and as you'll, as we'll get into this, you'll see that like Kanika was very much under the influence. So, I mean, I remember my younger years, like sometimes you just like someone that is super gone, you just, you know, you, you sit them down and you take care of whatever they need done. Yeah. So that's probably likely. Yeah. Um, so when her friends come back, Kanika is nowhere to be found. Oh. Her friends start to search, search for her. And without any results, like they just go on the evening and they cannot find her. However, because of more surveillance footage, it's known that Kanika got into the elevator and then departing the elevator on a different floor at 3.32 a.m. Oh, Lord. This makes me think of the the what is it the elevator game like the have you ever heard of that it's it's like some yes. it's a it's a south urban, korean thing where yeah it's like you, an urban legend yep yes where you can like take it to a certain floor you go like up and down and up and down like a certain number of orders of different floors yeah and then when you finally reach the end of it you're supposed to be able to like open up the like portal the hell or another something. dimension or something yeah. yeah um but unfortunately kanika was not playing this game she was just very very influenced and confused so she's next seen on surveillance footage staggering down the hall of that floor that she got off of and eventually entering an unused kitchen in the hotel she kind of stammers in the kitchen, like in the center of it, like kind of like swaying back and forth. She's obviously like losing her balance uh, until she walks towards the back of the kitchen and eventually off camera. And as she rounded a corner, that is the last time Kanika Jenkins was ever seen alive. Spooky. Oh my gosh. I, oh, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Yeah, um, and it's interesting choice of words that you used, and you will find out why. Oh, my. Okay. It was at 4 a.m., roughly half an hour after the video footage showed Kanika in the kitchen, that the teen's friends alerted Kanika's mother, Teresa. 
They called her, stating that they couldn't find her. At this point, her mother went to the hotel, which imagine being woken up at four in the morning saying, hey, your daughter is at this hotel party that you didn't know about, but now she's missing. Yeah, that as a a parent, that would just be a nightmare of a call to get, especially because it, I'm sure it's a large hotel. So you have. Oh yeah. It's, it's like, it's like right next to O'Hare airport. So it's, it's it's probably where a lot of people will will come and go really quick. Uh, And man, like there's literally hundreds of rooms to hide in. So if somebody took her or if she got lost and I don't know, there, there's a lot of potential places where she could be hidden if someone wanted her to be hidden. Yeah. Hotels are huge. And I know there's actually like hidden, hidden places in hotels. So like staff only know about like hallways yeah. within walls type thing. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure is like, like basically like service and yeah entrances and stuff like that yeah exactly okay so when Teresa heard this uh she went directly to the hotel uh to report her missing and to look for her but hotel officials told her the only recourse was to call the police the employees couldn't help her search until an, an official missing persons report had been filed which I call bull because why you can, wouldn't you, you just can like always look out. for someone you know that's like it's like if you're in a store like you don't wait for the police to come to call like a, a code adam or something right like yeah, you hear like, it all the time you're like so and so please come to customer service this person's looking for you or this person's waiting for you like they don't at target they don't call the police and have the police come and search the building and then say okay yeah you can page them like yeah it's it's, I feel like it's the same situation like just freaking help like obviously like they're worried about this person who is missing and it happened in your hotel so why not you know kind of take it probably wouldn't even take more than like half an hour if you had the entire staff just be like okay we're all gonna focus on this one thing for a moment and see if we can find this person. Right. Shouldn't be that hard. I know. Anyway. Yeah. So um, obviously her mother does contact the police and it took, like they were not rushing. It took them, uh, I saw annual reports from like 45 minutes to over an hour to get there. Um, and the family members later characterized the initial police response as lacking in urgency. Probably because they were like, oh, she's a teenager. Like teenagers just. Right. She so was when a they're teenager. Like she was a teenager at a party. And I mean, she was also a person of color, which statistics have shown that people of color are less prioritized right I, if it had been a little blonde white girl like i'm sure they would have been there in a heartbeat oh gosh yeah like the whole squad would be there yeah um, um yeah that is that's <clears throat> that's another and this comes up a lot it seems is, is um this is 
what institutionalized racism looks like that it's like yeah that people of color when they you know like report somebody missing there's less urgency there's um less of a response it's like this is this is something that takes a long time to undo and to to practice like actually treating everybody and every case equally right so when the police do arrive they gain access to camera footage and initially they just focused on the entrances and exits and that turned up nothing however at 10 p.m the following day so we're now at saturday um police spotted footage of Kanika stumbling through the hotel. Oh, I was going to say, that's scary that it, it wasn't until like 10 p.m. the next day. Like how many people have checked in and out since then? Right. Like you think that somebody like if she's murdered, like anybody could just like have thrown her in a suitcase and smuggled her out and nobody would have even noticed. Mm -hmm. And all because it took a whole day just to like look through the footage i know her whereabouts were remain unknown until she finally was found 12 48 a.m sunday she was found face down in the hotel's kitchen freezer oh my god nobody thought to open the freezer at any point right that whole day you'll like I mean, you'll kind of see why they didn't open the freezer as we get into this. It'll make a little bit more sense. Um, but the fact that she was in there will not make sense. Hmm, okay. So, as I said, she was face down but on her side and she had one shoe off uh, with no sign of trauma other than the small cut on her foot. Um, despite still being fully clothed, like she still had on her her jeans and her jean jacket and her shirt. Um, her shirt and bra were pushed up over like the top of her chest, exposing her torso, which um, sometimes when people freeze to death, there is this phenomenon where they actually start to remove clothing. However, if she were to have been doing that, you think the, the jacket would have come off first. Right. Um, well, and, and so putting on my detective's cap here, what I would think if I came across this scenario, the first thing that I would think was, well, did was, and knowing that she had been drinking, my first thing would be like, oh, maybe she in her intoxicated state tripped, maybe knocked herself unconscious and because it was in the freezer that she eventually froze because she wasn't properly clothed for a cold environment for a long period of time. Right. But yeah. I assume it's not as clear cut as that. No, it's not. In addition to what you're saying, how she wasn't like properly clothed for like a freezing environment, mm -hmm. it was found that her hair and clothing were also damp. So she was wet oh. when she went in there. So that's and I bet the pool was closed. Yes, at 4 a.m. it definitely yeah. is closed. The temperature inside the freezer was not taken until two hours after the doors have been left open. And 
so there's like warm air coming in cold air going out and at that time it was still only 34 degrees fahrenheit which means it had to be much much colder when it was completely sealed shut and also i wonder so i know at at my job that there's there's like a temperature warning so like if a freezer was left open mm -hmm. for too long and the temperature got above a certain uh like a certain degree for a certain number like a certain amount of time uh, there was an alarm that would go off and i would think that a hotel would have some sort of thing like 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 some sort of temperature alarm so that they could be alerted when a like when a freezer door has been left open yeah it just that that seems fishy to me yep but adding adding to your thoughts the freezer which was on and working was described as a walk-in freezer within a walk-in cooler and oh. yes oh. and it was actually part of an unused kitchen that's so, really weird yeah so the lights were apparently turned off in both chambers when she entered them as uh it was dark inside when she was found and questions remain as to why the freezer was turned on in the first place because the hotel was not using it to store any food or supplies at the time that is very very unusual mm -hmm. i mean i guess the only thing i could think of is if it if it needed to be turned on to keep it in working order or something but possibly uh it's it's just almost kind of kind of creepy that it's like here's just this big empty freezer that's on but has nothing in it right yeah it's very suspicious um so as mentioned the security cameras showed kanika staggering throughout the kitchen uh, the night that she she ultimately died um however the freezer door itself is out of camera sight so there's no way of knowing how and when she entered that freezer on october 6 uh, 2017 nearly a month later the cook county medical examiner's office ruled kanika's death an accident the autopsy report found no illegal drugs in Kanika's system, but her blood alcohol was found to be 0. 0.112. Ooh, girl. Yeah, she was partying. She partied real hard. Or was she slipped something? Ooh. Maybe whoever was making her drinks was making them stronger than she intended. That could be too. So traces of topiramate, which is a drug used to treat epilepsy and migraine headaches, were found in her system, although she was never prescribed these medications. Oh. So, mm -hmm. Topiramate taken together with alcohol can enhance effects of both and hasten the onset of hypothermia, the presence of which was confirmed by lesions found in Kanika's stomach. Whoa, okay, that's super weird that it just happens to like, like speed up the onset of hypothermia. It's right. And this is starting it, to sound very purposeful. 
Exactly. And, you know, it's a drug that's used to treat epilepsy and migraines. So it's not like um, kids, I remember when I was in high school, would like pop Ritalin um, <laughs> or and maybe it's not Ritalin. I don't know. But, you know, it's not like a drug that is uh, notorious for giving you like a euphoric feeling. Yeah. Or it's, I, I think sometimes people would take like Adderall, maybe Adderall. Right? Yeah, that's what it was. Not Ritalin. Because it like... I don't know, you just feel really, uh, like, really focused and mm-hmm. yep. kind of like, uh, like a stimulant. Um, so brain swelling was also observed, but this condition was not associated with the cause of her death. Hmm. The Rosemont Police Department issued a statement the same day saying that while no foul play was suspected, the investigation had not yet been completed. Her friend's stories remain inconsistent as to exactly what had happened after the party. After she went missing, one friend texted another about how Kanika was drunk and missing. A reply came back saying, find Kanika. I can't believe y'all lost her. Hmm. They told Kanika's mother that Kanika had gone downstairs with some people but they had left her alone to go and retrieve a cell phone from one of the hotel rooms. So we're back to that story of they left her at the elevator to go back to get her cell phone and keys. But now they're telling her mom that they saw her go with some people. Which is just like, this is getting, you know, the, the messier your story gets, the less helpful it is in coming up with the answer because that story doesn't sound like it matches the, um, the surveillance footage. Exactly. They the surveillance saw her entering the elevator by herself, leaving by herself, and then wandering around by herself. As mentioned before, Kanika's family didn't think the Rosemont police were doing enough to move the investigation along. So they wanted the FBI to step in. Around 30 people, all friends and family of Kanika, protested outside of the Chicago FBI office to get their attention in hopes they would take over the case. So far, as to this day, all the FBI has said is that the department will take no action unless the governing police, quote, request the FBI to assist with the investigation. However, to this day, Kanika's case is closed and still ruled as a sad accidental death by the Rosemont police. Speculation about what happened to the teen proceeds to this day. Did she accidentally get locked in the freezer? Did she lead herself in? Or did someone else uh, coax her into going inside? Furthermore, did someone put her there? Her story went national, and plenty of people wondered what happened to Kanika Jenkins, whose lifeless body was found in a hotel freezer. And theories started to spin wild. Oh, I'm excited to hear what some of these wild theories are. Yes, some are, like, some make sense, some are far-fetched. There's there's more than what I covered in this episode, just because some of them, like, it was just like, no, like. <laughs> some are just too ridiculous to even bother mentioning. Exactly. Like, 
yeah, I won't even. So, um, so there are multiple factors as to why conspiracy theories on Kanika's death may not have just been accidental. One factor is being the visual evidence. In a video taken at the party and uploaded online, Kanika is seen walking around and talking to people. The crowded room was filled with lots of partiers and loud music. Several other vi videos have popped up since, including one where people believe they actually hear Kanika whimpering, help me. And this video is on YouTube. So if you just, you know, search Kanika Jenkins, help me, you can watch it. Um, I did. And I, I'm not sure what I hear. Um, I, because I know I'm supposed to be listening for the words help me like I hear it, but I don't know if I would hear that without knowing what to listen for. That's uh, kind of the whole like misheard lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenon where like, if someone tells you like, oh, doesn't it sound like this? And then you listen to it and, and you're like, oh yeah, it does sound exactly like that. But then you look at the actual lyrics and then when you're looking at the actual lyrics, then you hear it correctly. It's very strange. Yeah, yes. Um, and in the videos posted on social media, she did not appear to be nearly as intoxicated as she was on the security footage. Hmm. Although- Which, depending yeah. on how you, were, how you were consuming it, you know, sometimes it takes a minute and then it all hits you at once. So maybe right. like by the time it was calling it quits, maybe that's when it all hit or yeah. I know alcohol affects different people differently. Yeah. So the, her, her friends and other witnesses at the party say that, you know, she was consuming alcohol um, and not all of it was, you know, the alcohol that she brought. Uh, she was also drinking from cups handed to her by the party hosts. And she finished one of those cups that she was given uh, just before exiting the hotel room. Um, as mentioned before, uh, she was caught in the kitchen um, by the security cameras. And these cameras are only motion activated. Oh, okay. Right. So according to the hotel authorities, uh, the cameras only turned on twice that weekend. Once early Saturday when Kanika entered the room, and then again around 8.30 p.m. Saturday night. Uh, in the second video, it shows a person entering the kitchen, glancing around, and then just immediately exiting. That's suspicious. Yeah, and to this day, that person... Uh, is unidentified. Oh, so we don't know if it was a staff person or uh, a guest in the hotel or somebody who just happened to wander in. I mean, I feel like hotels now, it's getting more like you have to have a key card to like operate the elevators or to get past a certain point. Um, but, you know, sometimes if someone's just being nice and they hold the door for you or whatever, like maybe somebody who wasn't supposed to be in there wandered in. Right. And if it wasn't a, if it was a, an employee that 
was like helping, like just kind of take a look around to see where Kanika might be. When they're notified that this person is shown on the camera and they don't know who it is, you'd think that employee would come forward. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that was me. I was or that, checking or out the kitchen. Somebody on the staff would recognize the figure. Um, right, right. Hmm. Okay. So so based on all the visual evidence, we have these theories. The first one, and honestly, I'm not I'm not opposed to, is that Kanika fell victim to organ trafficking. Oh. Yes. So some theorists think that the Crown Plaza Hotel is involved in an organ trafficking ring, and Kanika was one of their intended victims. According to them, that's why the hotel took so long to start searching for her and why they said that, like, we can't look for someone that doesn't have a missing persons report because, again, that's not a thing. Um, and people believe that she was kept in the freezer because organs seem to be kept on ice to stay alive. Um, officials for the hotel haven't commented on this theory. Although many more what ifs abounded on social media. A town spokesman for Rosemount said, quote, video footage of the night Kanika disappeared showed her in the kitchen. She stumbled around and disappeared once she reached a part of the room that was out of camera range. This means there's no actual footage of her entering the freezer. Her mother questions whether she or someone else opened the door because those are double steel doors. She wasn't very strong and she was under the influence. In addition to this statement and this theory, um, it is noted that in real life organ trafficking, people of color and primarily women fall victim so it's a theory i'm i said like i'm partial to it um i don't necessarily believe it but i think it's interesting right i i feel like if i were a crime writer that this would be a really good explanation mm -hmm. and that would be very compelling and i i think i don't know i think we like coming up with conspiracy theories because it makes you know it makes it all seem like bigger picture type stuff like it's not like oh it's not such a simple explanation of like oh this was just an accidental thing that an accidental random thing that happened um i think that uh as humans we get a little more like upset when it's just when random accidents happen uh, and we we want our lives to be to mean more than just like ending in the snap of a finger because of an accident right yep um so the second theory is that um someone coaxed her into the freezer so public demanded for the footage of Kanika uh, before her death reached a climax after Chicago police activist Andrew Holm 
held a press conference claiming that he saw footage of Kanika walking into the freezer herself and not coming back out. He said, in quotes, the important part is that we always wondered and wanted to know, did anybody pull her down there? Did anybody force her down there? Was anybody on the other side in the room when she got down there? The answer to that is no, because we clearly see her walk herself in and close the door. However, detectives released the footage to the public, and it shows that Kanika was last seen rounding a corner into the back. There's no video footage of her walking into the freezer herself. Um, so all the footage shows her drunkenly stumbling around the halls and the kitchen, but it just ends when she's out of sight. Some people think that maybe there is more footage on the freezer door that the detectives just are not putting out because the activist said that he saw this and he was connected to the police, but then the detectives on the case say, no, 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 he did not see this. So it's like within the system, they are, you know, putting out conflicting information. Yeah, it almost makes me think of sometimes when, like they'll they'll do like a like call your bluff type situation where like I'm gonna say that I saw this so it'll force you to release it if it does exist but then if it doesn't exist then it's like you're back to score one right yep but I could totally see if it was a strategy um like a call your bluff strategy where like if I just say that that there's footage out there, then they'll be forced to release it if they have it. Mm-hmm. But That's very possible. Still a big gamble. If yeah, if for, you're wrong, it's like yeah. If you're wrong, gamble. it's like well, now you've just confused everybody. Mm-hmm. Which it sounds like this is what happened. Yeah. Um. So the third theory is that which kind of goes hand in hand with the with the idea that maybe the cops are covering up a murder is that many people believe that the footage was altered so after police released footage of kanika meandering through the halls skeptics weren't satisfied with the conclusion they believe that the footage was edited to cover up her murder um several videos popped up on youtube uh, that suggests someone else can be seen following Kanika before the angle switch. Now, I watched these videos, and like there is kind of like an ominous little shadow just before it will cut scene. You know, like it's almost like someone starting to come into frame and then it cuts. Um, and there's even like motion sensor red lines on the footage to show that there is like more activity going on in the background, which hmm. seems suspicious. That really does. Mm -hmm. And in addition to, uh, to the weird, weird cuts and transitions in the videos, um, Kanika's mother does reiterate that like, she was not, she was not like a muscular girl and these are big, heavy doors. And they're also, 
I know like freezers and coolers, they're vacuum sealed shut. And sometimes it's very hard to open those. I remember oh, when sure. I was a barista, like there were times where like I had to use like my full body weight to like hang on the door to get it to open. So and then when two other baristas came over, then they you could finally get it open. Right, exactly. Um, so the fact that she wasn't like super, super strong and she was under the influence and then you have this sketchy video, it just, it doesn't add up. I don't know. There, there are so many things that don't add up in this. I mean, the definitely like the drugs in her system that nobody seems to be able to explain uh i think that is probably probably the most compelling thing to me in addition to being like i mean granted i could totally see be like sometimes when you sometimes when you get really drunk you get like a weird superhuman like drunk strength mm-hmm. and you can do things that you normally can't do when you're sober uh, but when it comes to like the drugs plus the the weirdly specific location that would take a lot of effort to get into it's it's way too many question marks to just be like oh yeah this was obviously just an accident right i agree um and then that's like you have the video on youtube also where like you can kind of hear her saying help me um which it could have been a help me, like something's not right, something's not well, or it could just be like, I'm drunk, I can't type this, will you help me? You know, I mean, who knows what that was about as well. Yeah. Um, to add to the suspicion of all this is that to this day, police have not identified who booked the room. The people responsible for uh booking the hotel room where the party was they used a fraudulent card and false identifying information i was gonna say i would think that would be the easiest thing to figure out but right so both these items are reported stolen oh my gosh so someone stole someone else's id and credit card to book a room under a name that's not theirs which you know maybe that's because this was a party full of underage teens or maybe it's because something suspicious was going to happen right well and also it's like if someone's going to steal somebody else's credit card and and basically like they're whoever these people are who were hosting the party had no problems stealing somebody else's identity and who knows what other things that they could be up to exactly so it sounds like maybe these that these people running this party did not have the best intentions um which that's kind of what the hotel is saying um the hotel has denied all responsibility and believes that the unidentified people who booked the room are to blame for Kanika's death and that whoever was the provider of the alcohol could also be considered culpable in her untimely death. Especially because 
it, I feel like it's gotta be that somebody at the party or somebody hosting it was putting something in the, in her drink, whether it was her specifically or in other people's drinks too. And that she just happened, happened to be the unlucky one who it affected the most. And then this chain of events happened that, that led to her death. I mean, I could see that being the reason why, I mean, cause that, that drug that was found in her system didn't also like kind of uh, enhance the effects of alcohol. Yeah, so it enhanced the effects of alcohol and it also um, lowered body temperature. So that could be, uh, I mean, it could be maybe it, it, that the intention was to make the alcohol kind of go further because you would feel drunk f faster, so you uh -huh. wouldn't have to drink as much. Maybe. Like, obviously, like, you don't want to be playing pharmacist with alcohol. No, 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 no. <laughs> because you never know what combination is going to be the deadly one. Exactly. So in December of 2018, Kanika's mother filed a $50 million lawsuit against the Crown Plaza Hotel, the hotel security company, and the hotel restaurant that housed the freezer, citing negligence. Her lawyers maintain that the hotel did not respond quickly enough to her inquiries and waited hours to review the security footage. Um, Kanika also allegedly passed multiple hotel employees who did not intervene, even though the teen was visibly intoxicated and struggling. See, that's one of those things, like if you work there and you see someone like staggering down the hall, like that's where you're like, hey, can I help you? get to whatever room you're exactly. staying exactly or like see, just like a courtesy yeah or bring them to the lobby and call the non-emergency police you know yeah mm. or i mean or because you never know like maybe they need poison control or something right. like, so many things that could have been done to avoid this this sad untimely death and you know, whether it was murder or whether it was an accident, it was totally avoidable. And I completely all, agree. No just matter. Taken easy, an easy intervention. Right. I completely agree with, with your statement on like whether someone meant to kill her or she made a fatal mistake. There's so many people involved that could have stopped this. Yeah. Or even if she could have just been found sooner, there might have been a chance right. that, uh, I mean, did, did it say anything about like approximate time of death or anything in your... Um, she was pronounced dead at just after midnight on early Sunday morning, but I did not... The day after, right? Well, she went missing on Friday night. Oh, okay. So it was like over 24 hours. Yes, yes. So it's probably not 100% certain when she actually passed away. Correct, which is, which that's the theory of like, what if it was organ trafficking? You yeah, know? like they had, if they were intending to like 
keep her just alive enough. Right. Right. But yeah, um, that's, I, th I think the organ trafficking one is probably the least likely just because I think you need to have a, a living patient to operate on. And that's I, true. Think if they, I think if they wanted to, if they really wanted her organs that they would have swept her away to, or like somewhere on site would have had some method of extracting whatever organ they wanted. I feel like that would have, if that was the intention that that would make more sense. So. Right. Um, so anyways, with the lawsuit, the lawyers uh, contend that the walk-in freezer did not have adequate safety signage. And also that the hotel kitchen, which, which that particular kitchen wasn't being used, it wasn't even blocked off from the public. So yeah, that just allowed anyone to just wander in. So as mentioned, her mother is filed for the $50 million lawsuit. And still to this day, the outcome of that trial has yet to be released. Wow. So it's still not even settled. I mean, because it's, I don't think it's, uh, it would be unreasonable for the hotel to be at least somewhat responsible for some sort of negligence because, yeah, I mean, like that could have easily happened to like a, a child staying at, at the hotel. Like if they didn't have any way to block it off when it wasn't being used, yeah, a little kid could have done the same thing and gotten trapped in the freezer or, you know, who knows? But I, I definitely think that the hotel had multiple opportunities to prevent something like this from happening, whether it was the staff, whether it was blocking off the unused kitchen, um, whether it was like appropriate signage in the, uh, in like the freezer, uh, or even just not being obstructionist at the beginning and like just taking a moment to go look for her when she was actually reported missing. I mean, it's like, haven't these hotel people watched true crime documentaries before? Like the first, what is it? The first 48 hours are the most important. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we are right now with, with her case and her trial. Um, but then I would like to end with just talking about how Kanika's funeral drew thousands of mourners from all across the country. Um, people gathered at Chicago's House of Hope in September 2017, expressing their deepest grief and fondest memories of the 19-year-old during the two-and-a-half-hour-long service. Friends, relatives, and complete strangers processioned past Kanika's open casket which is surrounded by flower bouquets and loving photos from her youth. Her loved ones honored Kanika during the service by donning purple, which was her favorite color, and wearing tribute shirts that read Justice for Kanika. Though little was revealed about Kanika's life during the funeral, a poignant poem read by her nieces touched on the relationship. Every time I feel upset, she makes me feel like a princess. Nika, as her family called her, 
was so funny she would make me cry, one of her nieces said during the service. House of Hope pastor Reverend James Meeks comforted those in attendance and sought to keep the service protected from the media frenzy surrounding Kanika's death. His staff monitored social media throughout the service to ensure no one live streamed. More than 1,000 people attended the service. To this day, Kanika's friends and family still have their suspicions and unanswered questions. They hope and pray that Kanika did not suffer and that if in the event foul play is involved, that justice will be served. Her case currently remains closed. And that is the mysterious, um, untimely death of Kanika Jenkins. I'm really glad you did that one. I, I that was not one I was familiar with, uh, but it's definitely a story that needed to be revisited. Um, yeah, that was it. There are just so many unanswered questions, and it makes it a very compelling and fascinating case. So I'll be very interested to hear if there's any more developments. Yeah, I'll keep an I'll keep an eye on it, and if if I see any updates on where the case is, if they reopen it, um, any more like evidence, if her friends come forward because her friends are suspicious. Uh, they're telling different stories. Right. To different I want to know, I want to know who ran that party that night. I, and the fact that something like that can't be figured out, I feel like it's like we solve more difficult cases than that every day. Like we can't find out who stole a credit card. Like, come on. Like somebody's got to know. I know. I feel like somebody or somebody's know something. I I feel like the easiest answer is that she was just intoxicated and wound up in the freezer. I mean, but I've never been to the point where I've just been so far gone that I would walk into a walk-in freezer. Like that just does not make sense to me. I mean, maybe it was because she was right. on those epilepsy and migraine medications mixed with the alcohol. Um, maybe that could be, I mean, you know, when, when, I mean, especially judging by the, the description of, the way that she was staggering around like for all we know she could have been hallucinating with the alcohol mixed with those medications like who knows what she thought she saw or where she thought she was going and unfortunately that's just not something that we can ever answer right um yeah it's it's certainly certainly adds nothing but more questions to this. And I don't think we'll get a, like a straight answer anytime soon, unless somebody comes forward and comes out with some spe like new piece of evidence. Right. It's interesting. Uh, it's interesting with these newer cases. It's like they're, everybody's got a camera in their pocket. So who, you, you think that more cameras, there's more evidence out there. Someone might want to check their phone. Exactly. Maybe they were there at that, park that night. 
Exactly. And they might have something really important. Mm-hmm. But yeah, get on get on YouTube, everyone, and look up those security footage uh videos. I I still think they're a little odd the way that they're cut. Um and you know, if you if you follow us on social media when we post about this case, let us know what you think. Do you think Kanika put herself there or do you think there's foul play involved? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, or maybe there's some, yeah, or if you have heard another theory that we didn't cover that you're convinced about, this is one that I think could spark some really interesting conversation and uh, some swapping some theories. So mm -hmm. maybe somebody else has heard something out there about this one. Yes. I'll be interested to hear. Yeah. And there is a memorial page on Facebook for Kanika. Um, if y'all want to get on there just to pay some tribute to her. It's there. Just Google or Facebook search her name. Um, but yeah, that's 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 a wrap on on this week's episode, everyone. Another fascinating case. Thank you. No problem. My pleasure. All right. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for coming back again and again. Um, we love doing this. We love having you tune in each week. And until next time. Bye. Bye.